Hey there fellow explorers and welcome to the Coffee Undiscovered podcast. Today we have with us two very special people. Bombil and Manvendra are spending their days in a tiny village in Uttarakhand working towards social betterment. Trust me, their stories are ones you have definitely not heard before. Also side note, you're listening to one of our first podcasts ever. So please bear with the mistakes that we make and we would love to hear your feedback about how we can make this better. You can find Coffee Undiscovered on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, the whole deal basically. So hi Bombil and Manvendra, great to have you on the podcast. Let's start with what your early life and education was like. I went to a convent school and I didn't mind it until the time that uh, all the girls started playing this game called Miss India or Miss World where we literally had to do a catwalk and there was a close up smile round and I was thinking like like what I would rather play with aliens <laughs> Yeah but from there I went to uh, St Xavier's College in Mumbai and and I always was this person who enjoyed learning by doing things i was very happy to participate in the college festival and actually be busy doing some work rather than read from a book because that just wasn't me yeah also like because my family was struggling a bit my mother was single mother and she was struggling a bit at the time uh, so i left college to go to work mm-hmm. and i did all kinds of little odds and ends little jobs and then worked in call centers for about 5 years and then left joined the ngo sector first i was an office assistant and it's just like doing little things like for me what kind of work i do had never been a problem but of course you know i grew up in a city like mumbai and that comes with its own little you know you have to have money if you're living in mumbai so i went from earning uh, a pretty neat package in a call center to earning literally half of that maybe in an ngo and subsequently like i have a record which i'm sure like many people would would struggle to identify with so every job i've taken since 2008 paid me less than the previous <laughs> job and now i'm in a position where you know i work as a consultant i don't even earn a fixed salary Yeah, but people are good to me. So when I go like go around the village, and if I ask somebody if they have a potato harvest time, people will yeah. give me two kilos of potatoes, and they yeah. they'll smile and they'll ask me, "Can we send our children to you to learn English?" And I'll say, "You send them, but I can't guarantee what they learn." This <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just someone who learns by doing. Yeah. So even while speaking to you now, I'm I'm knitting. and uh, oh, so much all right. but manvendra has like a more interesting version of how formal education is is not his cup of tea um so i got through my schooling uh, did in 10 eight different schools i was in college and i started getting a little disturbed with the college i think like i would miss out on my attendance all the time and uh, most of the time i wouldn't qualify to write the exams because my attendance was too short the other times i didn't want to give the exam because my attention span was too short but by the time we reached the last year you know while other kids would be giving six exams per semester i would be giving 10 exams per semester to clear up the mm-hmm. backlogs but i sort of like made it through here and then i realized that uh oh you know now what i thought that you know i didn't know what to do with my life and so where you know that's the only time when you start thinking about what to do with life you know, just sent a word around with all my friends and one of my friend came up and said okay you know i asked them 
uh, do you know anyone who is doing anything different? And that was all the question. Like that time I didn't think about alternative or not those definitions. I was 22. And somebody suggested me, why don't you uh, go meet this person, a friend of mine who is working in Pune with rack pickers. And I was like, cool. I called him up and said, I'm coming. And I took a bus, reached Pune, and I spent two amazing days with him. And I realized after years, I was happy. And then I thought that this is what I would rather do. And once I knew this is what I would rather do, that it was very hard to do the things that I would rather not do. Like, you know, sitting for exams and trying to keep up the attendance and all those kind of things. And this is so weird. And, and I still remember there would be time when I would be from exam. But before the exam, my room would be full because I would be teaching other friends of mine the same subject that I would not be going to write the exam. I left college and I moved out and then got into Bhumi College. Uh, so that time I really wanted to mm-hmm. design our, my own learning experience and my lo- own learning journey. Father was like a little taken aback from the idea. Uh, he was like, I'm, I just wanted to throw my life away. We struggled and then we found Bhumi College and he was like, oh, it yeah. has college in it. And I thought, oh, you know, it talks about all the things I'm really interested in. And over there, I was there and I got to work with tribals and I got to work with this and this and that. And then I I decided I want to be an organic farmer when I grow up. And then one fine day I grew up and I thought, let's be an organic farmer. (laughs) And then I traveled around a little, you know, meeting different organic farmers. And then I I went to my sister's home to to do the farming thing. Uh, and but yeah. I never realized that you know it can be so weird living with relatives because they're all on different plane probably than I am, and yeah. I just couldn't I just couldn't be there. Uh, it was hard, you know, like attending all those community functions about people I don't really care. And you know, I I totally understand they have a very different way of community living and understanding, but for somehow I could not have conversations over there. Uh, with anyone and I started feeling those loneliness pang and I thought that you know and I got dumped a little back and I was like oh I'm my god either I'll like live single because there's no no exposure to women out here in the village uh, or you know I'll be married off to someone I have like no clue about mm-hmm. again somebody like suggested me like there's this organization called Greenpeace it works with environmental mm-hmm. issues and then there was an opening so I got onto it worked for three years in sustainable agriculture had a time of my life, but then I realized that, you know, there, there was so much on the grassroots that I didn't understand. So I quit. And then I, you know, I was volunteering with some of the farmers protest. The most efficient way of doing things is, you know, let people do things. So I thought I'll just teach. So all I have to do is teach and people will go plant forest. So then I started teaching about forest, which made my job a lot easier. In a sense, you actually asked about like formal education. Um, I realized that mm-hmm. like for me, I was always this average student. Okay. I didn't score very well in pretty much anything. Uh, and it, I remember this incident in college where I was studying in Xavier's and studying English literature, which you had to have like really good percentage in your 12th to get into the English lit class. But my attendance was so poor for want of an interest in English literature that I used to drag myself mm-hmm. I had to ask my friends to bribe me so I would go to class and this has nothing to do mm-hmm. with the fact that you know the teacher or or anything else it's just that the subject didn't appeal to me and uh, eventually I when I wanted to move into political science and swap English lit for political science 
um the principal actually told me no you why are you trying to get out of a class that everyone else is trying to get into you know and i think like maybe at that time in my mind i was just like what i mean like this something about this system is just not working for me i think in hindsight for me now i feel like the just the formal system of education it doesn't take into account very much uh, the way that people different people learn or uh, or that you know doesn't just attribute an uh, a status to subjects based on on how interesting they are for the person who's learning it right so it's like oh if you want to study mm-hmm. rocket science then you must be a smart person ha huh? oh, what do you want to study history <laughs> acha okay fine theek hai whatever you know you must have got low a low percentage in your 10th or 12th that's so wrong right i mean and, and also like who says that there's like everything has to be fitted into a slot and why could i could be studying history and studying literature at the same time much of bifurcation mm-hmm. in everything is too much organizing just like go out there and study like some of the most beautiful lessons in life that i've learned i've learned just sitting at the side of the mountain listening to an old guy singing you know uh, oh, i get what you're saying the whole sense of individuality is getting yeah. lost in yeah, individuality and also what's important to learn i mean if you're churning out people who who know everything really well and you know they they, they have all the kitabi gyan uh that you need them to have mm-hmm. but uh, at the end of the day they're not they don't have compassion or they don't have a, a sense of understanding or they've lost their connect with their land or with communities then i'm not sure what that education accounts for you know yeah, yeah. i think it's uh, it's like mm-hmm. desouling you know soul full so it's like making your soul less you know so you so you know the education system is is building uh, efficient slaves you know and so efficient they won't rebel because there is no more physical authority out there you know this authority is intangible it's everywhere it's about what people think it's about what they think you should do it's about having a certain status a certain income certain package so you know the authority has been shifted from the physical realm to the to the non tangible and what it does is that you know there's nothing to rebel against so in old times you could rebel against your masters but now your master is your own mind which mm-hmm. has been trained by the system to make sure you keep doing those things which do not give you any joy at all and then to find those joys you do all those kind of things which could try to fill in gap and it's a life full of trying to just plugging the vacuum plugging the vacuum yeah it sound like a conspiracy theory but uh, <laughs> but it's the truth it's the sad sad truth that's, that's true right. i mean like and and it kind of teaches you to do all those things on the weekend you know do the things you love in your free right. time go ride a bike somewhere or uh, or take long walks like for instance don't live an active life but get a gym membership and it's taken a long time for even me to chance upon these realizations because initially i just did things like like any person who's who's coming out of the system would do it you know these were also my values at first on a lighter note how did you guys meet each other and how has it been mm-hmm. uh, we met in the greenpeace uh, guest house uh, both of us were working in uh, in this organization at the same time and um, i think mm-hmm. i see i personally have been have had my share of relationships um and all of them have taught me something and at the time 
uh, I was dating someone, but this realization hit that oh my god, is looking everywhere, and and this chap is here, you know. <laughs> but I think at the time Manvendra was going through his own. Uh, he was he was just um, I think recovering uh, from a relationship that had not been uh, serving him uh, so well, and he he was insistent that you know no. i have to walk alone these were the words he used to use uh, and at the same time every time we would meet and just falling for him more and more we were very comfortable in each other's uh, presence so i think we went through those uh, periods where you know okay we we roomed together one fine day he was just just as you know i felt that okay now probably he's going to change his mind he was like it's time i have to move on and will you come drop me at the train station please you know so so that i can rub salt in your in your wounds uh but yeah it was i'm i know i'm making light of it but he he had to do it because i think that was also the important path of him finding his way to me was for him to first fall in love with himself so yeah he went off to the mountains and uh, uh i stayed in bangalore and i missed him so much I remember I would just like I found it hard to sleep some days, so I would be dancing in my house until I was dripping in like perspiration and just slept out of complete fatigue. So yeah, they, we had those parts uh, in our love story. You know, Manvinder comes from a uh, from a traditional uh, Jat family, and I am born. I was born into a Roman Catholic family. Plus, there's an age difference between the two of us. I'm seven years older than. than him and uh, yeah mm-hmm. and everything i don't think there could be any i think we're different on so many levels except in the you know the fact that we both think and talk the same language mm-hmm. so when it came time to like tell his family that was although he had said that you know i want to be with you um he 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 took him a while to kind of go back tell his folks and then this drama you know unfolded as one would expect um and although they then they're lovely people but was this they're so rooted in their community and in the community values and uh, the norms that it's really hard for them to see beyond uh that eventually i think after a year and a half of trying to kind of bring them around uh we decided let's just do this let's have a small ceremony uh and and get married yeah and and let's just move on you know with our life So there's a very interesting story I've been told about your wedding. Would you like to share that? Interesting story is Manu. How was your wedding? Was <laughs> it fun? Manvendra. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, loads of fun. We got married in uh, a small. Uh, there, there's this little um, resort place that used to be uh, there called uh, Sonapani Himalayan Village. It's in uh, near Mukteshwar. what we did was we just invited very close uh, my family and friends um and manvendra's friends uh, who live in the area and we had an evening before where uh, we shared stories people were were given some space to talk about their best memories of manvendra and myself or how they've met us uh, manvendra took my family for a walk into the forest and showed them the little hut where he had lived which had no electricity and no water on the wedding day we had decided that we we wanted it we did not want big shusha stuff like very simple 
so uh, our clothes were uh, either purchased from khadi or they were mm-hmm. stitched by local tailors so i got my wedding out my wedding skirt and top stitched by tailors in champavat we got our shoes from company called uh, green soul uh, which turns old shoes they refurbish them into new shoes and so i wore sneakers to my wedding <laughs> and uh, yeah and we painted pine cones and used bangles to decorate uh, to make streamers we paid tribute to all the the five elements you know so we sowed everybody sowed some mm-hmm. seeds then everybody watered you know the patch where they had sown some seeds then we uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah then everybody was asked in your mind you say a prayer and whatever you know religion it is that you whatever your spiritual inclination is and you just blow the air towards us so that was wind and then there was um, mm-hmm. there was a, a fire so we asked everybody you know we said that this is a, also a time for us all to come together and take something from this place so everybody had a candle and it's like you light the candle uh once you you know what you want to what what is your passion so we found passion with each other but there must be something that you've always wanted to do so light a candle with the hope that you're actually going to burn that passion within yourself and keep that flame burning and uh, finally mm-hmm. we offered the space so we cleared the center we were all in a circle and anybody could come and you know offer a song a poem anything somebody played the flute for us somebody sang us a nice song for us you know at the end of it we all just stood in a circle and when we are happy manu and myself we bumped hips so um we thumka each other yeah so we we started <laughs> thumkoifying people the person adjacent to us and then it went in two directions it just passed on and the last two people mm-hmm. across the circle from us who bumped hip that was like that was we are married you know it was like sealing the deal and uh, yeah it was nice a lot of people were teary eyed i remember this is beautiful yeah it was beautiful it was simple we we enjoyed ourselves so much i i would like to get married again i mean to the same person there is something i have never heard or thought of but like as you described the whole thing i could see it happening in front of my eyes and it is incredible yeah this really so your love for the earth and your belief that you are children of the earth translates into your work as well in organic farming right but my question is how do you attract people in today's world how do you attract people towards something like farming I love working with forests, and uh, it's uh, and the kind of forests which we don't get to see anymore because they have all been lost. So we learned this method called the Miyawaki method of forestation, and it's a it's an amazing way to to create forests which can be very biodiverse and inclusive. So we actually study what kind of forest would be in that space if humans wouldn't have screwed up life as we normally do. uh and then we emulate oh. that kind of forest and simulate okay. it and then because it's very hard to even find those kind of forests anymore because human intervention is so strong everywhere like when sometimes you get to see but most times you don't and then we plant it when you're working with the forest you know you can't you know it's it's not different it's not that you know you work your work is that you know you become that person you become a part of the forest and uh, like in in forest you know there's no transact like all the trees they share the resources you know they feed the bacteria who feed them something else they feed the fungi who feed them something else so there's no contract as such okay you know if i give you this much of sugar you get me this much of minerals back 
you know, it's just a sense of giving that, you know, like, okay, you know, there mm-hmm. are bacteria and fungi around me and there are the trees around me that need something. So, you know, the, one tree just gives, you know, it just like produces sugar in its leaves and it, it just pumps it into the earth. And then in those who need it, they just pick it up. And then, you know, somebody gets get them something else. Somebody gets them this little piece of iron that's strapped away a little far away. It's like, hey, here's a little gift for you. Uh, so it's a, it's a beautiful world out there in the forest. And I think it just, when you become the person who works with the forest, just learn gift culture in, I think, in its truest sense, where people support each other, not like, you know, it's always so selfish, but it also comes from a trust that I shall be supported. Yeah. So it's uh, so I started offering uh, mm-hmm. courses on Miyawaki method. People go, people learn, people plant forests, and and this makes me happy. And even if people can't plant forests, uh, I think they get an idea of forests. And I think uh, you know it's, it's reconnecting with the wilderness within, and that just learning about forest changes something in them. Like one of my students once said that your, for, your 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 workshop is more spiritual than technical, and I think that's one of the best compliment I've ever ever mm-hmm. received. So. Great, great. Another one of your projects is in prisoner rehabilitation, which is something that a lot of us don't know about. So, could you please tell me something about that, and also something that you did not expect when you started working with prisoners and like rehabilitating them? Okay. I grew up with a, in a family that gave us a lot of freedom. So in my family, um, people might tell you, give you advice, but nobody will hold you to anything. And I realized later on that this is a very cherished value for me because I saw all around me that a lot of my friends had, had very controlling parents. So when I uh, decided that okay, I want to bring together the two things that I really love, uh, one is working with the environment and the other is, you know, working with people who are beyond redemption for most. Mm-hmm. Most people, and I've done a lot of fundraising, so I know that people will give you money for uh, causes like women, children, education, but not everyone is very thrilled about, you know, having to, to shell out money uh, for a prisoner because, you know, this person is a criminal. They've done something wrong and they need to be punished mm-hmm. for it. But the first time I went into a prison and when I came out, uh, it was just two hours that I spent in there. But I was positively shaken because the walls were so high that you couldn't see the trees outside. You know, there was one tree in the center uh, of the uh, women's barrack, a neem tree, which was stripped of all its leaves still and branches still quite high up. Mostly because one, the women had been plucking away at the leaves. Uh, they needed it uh, for their skin ailments. And mm-hmm. secondly, because they don't, branches mean somebody might climb the tree and try to look out or escape or whatever. And it was so claustrophobic for me. I could not imagine, like, just because when you put someone in prison, it's not just taking away someone's freedom, means you're also taking away their right to you know, the, the times that they're going to share with their family or with anyone else. Uh, mm-hmm. You take away any chance of, of growth, any dreams that they could possibly have for themselves you now go down the drain. So it, it is hard. And uh, I, I thought that, okay, this is where, how do I, you know, what do we do here? Plus the prison system in India is, and for good reasons, it's 
a bit rigid. It's not easy to get permission to work in a prison very often. So, uh, and even once you do, there are so many rules. A friend of mine, Madhvi and myself, uh, we decided to run a short program in a place called Vanwadi, which is close to Mumbai. It's a forest, uh, a farm forest, a very beautiful uh, 65-acre plot. It's a lovely place with a with an open sort of constructed, open layout house made of uh, made mostly of earthen bricks and earth, and we lived there for four, for a month with four women, um, mm-hmm. all of whom have experienced you know confinement. Uh, three of whom had been to prison, and that experience was transformational for us. I remember we were one day we were working on our eco construction module. We had uh, somebody from Dirty Hands come down. She is an architect uh, who's into eco construction. And uh, we were all sitting around because we were tired. It was hot, and we had been uh, working on constructing a toilet from uh, bamboo and mud and grass. Um, and somebody who was there who had heard about the program decided to stop by. So he came on his cycle. He just came in, and he was talking to us. And he's like, he asked her, "So you're an architect, right? What, according to you, is the most like the best kind of design for a prison cell?" She was thinking about it, and it just what I said. I just felt the need to say something, and I said that I think this is the perfect design for a prison cell. Well, most of the reasons people act out when they're in prison is because they're under so much authority and and so many different things. But if you're anyway going to put people away, and most of them are going to leave that place and come out, how do you want them to be when they're out? Would you rather that they're a better version of who they were when they went in, you know, that they have some skills once they get out, or would you rather that you know they just—it's all about torture, or it's all about you know making them suffer, and until you feel that they've paid sufficiently for for their crime. Um, but I think that you know, put them in a forest, put them in a place that that you know where where nature can do part of the healing and where they do part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think this is the perfect prison cell. Like one of my big dreams, Vishwa, is to is to probably like have to build, be involved in building e- India's first eco prison. Really, humanizing them is as important as anything yeah, else. Yeah, absolutely. Your third project is about working with the youth. Uh, my third project is uh, called Hejalo. Hejalo uh, mm-hmm. is the colloquial word here in uh, Kumau. It's a word that means "ho uh, jayega." You know, it's a very it's used generally to tell somebody, "Don't worry, don't stress out." You know, I decided to take this on because I felt that you know the youth here, they're they're amazingly talented, and some of their they've they've taught me so much. They're very bright, uh, very talented, very active. Um, the one thing is that they probably because this is not. You know the mainstream world uh, demands that if they have to grow up and get into either government jobs or private jobs or go work in a city, that they need a set of skills. And um, and I think Hejalo is kind of an in between, where yes, we do want them to have those skills and we do want them, for example, to learn teamwork. And we do this through you know working on social and community projects with them. If you don't like the fact that you know uh, there's inequality between male and female children in your village then you do something about it we'll guide you you do something about it 
you know, run a program, uh, do an awareness drive, do a street play, whatever it is that you feel like will help you with it. But you take it on in the process. You know, they learn a lot of um, they learn, learn a lot of 21st century skills. But at the same time, I think we're also trying to work on getting them to appreciate the uniqueness of who they are. You know, the fact that that a you know thin, scrawny kid is able to you know uh, get up to mountains within in record time uh, is something mm-hmm. that has to be applauded. It is something that we have to say it's laudable. You know, and and to let them know that you are special in a way that that uh, that matters, and you'll realize it with time. So yeah, this is what uh, Hair Jalo is about. We we run a lot of little projects. Uh, we have people who come in as interns uh, from the local village, and they uh, they stay with us a few months. They train in various things. They organize events. So we organized our first open mic night uh, recently. And a lot of Pahadi youth who write poetry secretly. Uh, I don't think their mm-hmm. parents know that they even write poetry this beautifully. Came and performed, including you know a very shy, reserved, introverted twelfth uh, grader boy who came and read out a poetry that was written so beautifully. It was it would it was sure to bring on tears. We do a lot of these kind of events. We trying to bring back a sense of community, so we celebrated uh, Samuhik Diwali in our village. So this year uh, we got people together to celebrate Diwali together, and it was um, it was remarkable because our pradhan, who is a a woman, the head of the village, and who is also a member of a scheduled caste, it was a rare occasion where she came and she interacted with everybody there, including. the rest of the women who were all from higher caste backgrounds these are the shifts that we are looking for you know the little shifts uh, slowly and the fact that the youth here are making this possible is the usp of this whole thing amazing. yeah amazing one important question that i think all of us have by now is how do you step aside from the rat race you know when you're beginning you must have questioned yourself as to am i right or is everybody else right people who are doing what the system tells them to do did this question ever bother you oh yeah for many years my journey into uh, into where i am today which is a small village in the himalayas this has been building over almost i would say a period of 5 or 6 years and it began with me even having the guts to move out of mumbai so i grew up in the city and i remember even if we ever left the boundaries of the city and there were no street lights on the highway i would be half enthralled and half in panic mode that's who i was a couple of years ago and so you know <laughs> the move to moving first to uh, bangalore then to the outskirts of bangalore and then finally moving up here it's been a long journey and the important thing is that you know there was a time i went where i thought that i had a very very fixed notion of what success was i went to a college in mumbai to one of the best b schools and studied did, did my part time mba in social entrepreneurship now nobody in my course ever said that oh if you don't make it if you don't have you know a large ngo to your name with amazing funding and you haven't built to scale so there are all these words right scale being one of them. if you haven't mm-hmm. achieved scale then what have you done so nobody tells you because you've studied social entrepreneurship you should be starting your own social enterprise you know and it should be self sufficient etc etc 
but these are all things that along the way somehow the pressures just depile on i realized that at some point i was reading way too many positive stories of people who had studied engineering and gone to the us and given up their jobs there and come back and become farmers and this was setting the tone for me for you know who was who i was and was i successful or not uh, and it was actually making me more depressed i mean a story like that should make us feel proud right but then i was like i'm no engineer actually i mean uh it, if you actually ask me what my skill is it's nothing in particular i mean i'm great with volunteers i can work with young people i don't really have something that i can say i'm great at or i'm i'm a pro at the way manvinder can say you know he he has the he knows a lot about forest but for me uh it's taken me a while to realize that okay and, and people have pointed out it out to me a lot that when i walk through the village i say hello to everybody you know and uh, mm-hmm. uh and i ask them how their day has been and for me that's important and just being somebody who cares or being uh, someone who's connected but not necessarily wanting to run for a uh, the local government position you know and moving here uh living here I, we still don't have like in our house we don't have a washing machine we don't have um a fridge a refrigerator and people have often told me you know like mm-hmm. why don't you get a washing machine and i'm like no but i don't have the time in my life to wash my clothes to sweep the floor once in a while then that's a signal to me that my life has gotten too busy for my own good you know <laughs> so these yeah. are little things the world doesn't does it really need so many people who are so great at doing all these things or does it need people who are just kind uh you know have we have we lost the plot because we don't have enough uh mba graduates and engineers and doctors or have we lost the plot because we don't understand each other anymore because we don't because we've we've become quite selfish you know in seeing ourselves as a very dominant species uh and thinking that nature is something that we have to save <laughs> and not realizing that nature will do the saving <laughs> if yeah if you give her a chance you know so i would rather be someone who who achieves just a little bit and makes a difference to a few people's lives and doesn't leave behind any massive legacy but what i really want to be able to do is just you know make five people smile today and and i'm telling you and i want you to know that that should be enough you know if you can get through your lifetime just honoring your existence by being a good person and when i say good person i don't mean a person who doesn't make mistakes i mean a person who lives life to their fullest but but also like can look around them and can can see what they can do with with their space with the area they're in today i went and spoke to 35 women who are doing a course in fashion designing here in champawat and it was news to them that i thought that you know being a being a homemaker what what's otherwise known as a housewife is a profession that mm-hmm. takes years of cultivating because you know to churn out good kids to to mother children uh, to look after children give them the right values to run a house efficiently is a profession it's not just a role you know and i think that that collectively homemakers have made more difference to the world than probably all of the doctors engineers and lawyers put together in fact i would question where 
you know how those people would ever become or realize their full potential if there wasn't somebody behind them to to care for them just live a good life no why why do we complicate things so much and that's that's my new thing to live an uncomplicated life you know just like yeah <laughs> do like simple things to, to just be happy i'm genuinely awestruck by that washing machine analogy that you gave if you don't have time for yourself what are you doing yeah finally you know in random there's something that i should have asked and i missed or something that you want to say no i i just also want to say you know that there's this trap that people can fall into listening to like people like us and thinking oh these people are kind of ideal you know in a way there are always like the terms and conditions apply i just want to say that everyone has their own path to walk everyone's journey is really unique you don't have to live a life that's interesting for someone to know about you just have to live a life that's interesting for you when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night and there's a lot of love in the world and if you have a choice always choose to go with the option that is closest that resonates the most with love and understanding because it will it, it it's more for you than for the rest of the world yeah so don't uh, don't listen to us and be like oh what a lovely couple you know we are a lovely couple <laughs> but uh, yeah we're just human we're all human so yeah mannu anything you want to say mm. anything that that's been missed yeah it's, it's like uh, i i remember this one time uh, we had this intern and he's like you know i have to find my passion i have to find my passion and he was so stressed about it you know and <laughs> and it's just so stressful being being different because now there's a new pressure to be different you know you have to be special and you have to be different you have to stand apart from the crowd you have to think out of the box he's out you know things just happen when they happen and they happen for a reason yeah like when somebody asked me like you know one of the college students like you know do you think i should drop out do you think i should drop out like uh, you know you feel like dropping out drop out <laughs> But don't do it for the sake of because you know there's new shoes and codes and the new trademarks that one should have all these idealistic things and it's just the same old 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 pattern or the same old pressure to become someone that you're not uh, which is so intense even among those people who are planning to have a different life and then it's it's just like running the same rat race just a different wheel altogether so I think in the end it's just about about just being. and and you think out that is i can say to top what you just said <laughs> so i think this is the perfect place to end this podcast thank you so much to both of you for giving us your time yeah. it was incredible listening thank to you yes it was incredible speaking with you vishwa wish you all the best with this bye bye if you like the podcast and would like to know more about interesting people keep listening to cafe and discover for our next episode our guest is nidhi dukania She is an art entrepreneur who has translated her love for art into her work. She is truly brilliant. Do tune in and till then keep exploring.